listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. Hello, Master Daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. The struggle is real when you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. And I'm not Jen. No, but... You are Lauren, and we together are your resident best friends, here to help you along your relationship journey. Think of us as your very own best friend fun fairies, bringing joy to the process and sprinkling love dust all over the place because it takes a village and we're your community. And you can find us at It's Complicated Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell your best friend. Tell all of your best friends, even friends that you don't really know all that well, because it shows that we have a loyal and growing audience. It helps us bring you fabulous offers and it keeps the lights on for us to keep running the show and contributing to the village. Having just been in Miami, I had high hopes to date and come back with fun stories about how I met the one and, you know, obviously I'm now bi-coastal living the best life I possibly can. Well, unfortunately, I didn't have a ton of time to date because that just is what happens when you're visiting family and doing all of the things. And it just feels like, you know, Things are getting more tense every day with politics and COVID and losing RBG and the ruling in the Breonna Taylor case. So dating ultimately feels a bit tough to be in the mood for. But, you know, with these tough times, wouldn't we want to feel more safe and comforted by that one special person? Or at least that's how I feel. So when I touched down in LA, I decided yet again, I know you all have been on this journey with me and I sound like a broken record but I will be making swiping and dating a priority. I think that's normal to feel the ups and downs of dating. I think it's like anything in life, love, friendships, work, you feel ups and downs. I just had a baby. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's really hard. Like that's normal to be like, oh, this feels tough. And then, okay, I'm going to get reinvigorated and I'm going to like make dating a priority again. I think it's fine. It's called balance. And we are balancing things out because we had Laura Day on last week, and now we are going to dive further into what Jen's experiencing, as well as many of you all are, I'm sure, in your own way. And we are having Laura Day back on to discuss her book, Practical Intuition and Love, and how intuition can be used to find the right partner and navigate unhealthy relationships. So if you missed our show last week with Laura, here is a little bit about her. It's a little refresher. So Laura has spent nearly four decades helping individuals organizations and companies harness and develop their innate intuitive abilities to create profound change. So Newsweek magazine calls her the $10,000 a month psychic, adding when business people need a crystal ball, they turn to consultant Laura Day, the intuitionist. Love it. So awesome. Um, The Independent dubbed her as the psychic of Wall Street. A-list Hollywood stars and Wall Street executives praise her ability to predict future events including the 2008 recession, guys, with astounding accuracy. As Brad Pitt has said, I believe in the gut and I believe in Laura Day. And also, if you go to her website, there's like every other celebrity under the sun and major human being that has something amazing to say about Laura. And her work has helped demystify intuition and bring it to the mainstream, which is, you know, how you're hearing about it right here on this podcast. She's trained thousands of people and companies to use their brains, perceptions, and sixth sense in effective ways to realize their goals. In our case, it's finding love, obviously, or maintaining it. She's the author of six best-selling books, Practical Intuition, Practical Intuition in Love, which we'll be discussing today, Practical Intuition in Success, 
The Circle, Welcome to Your Crisis, and How to Rule the World from Your Couch, which you're all probably sitting on as you listen to this. That's right. All of those books and their titles are like, I need all of them in my life, right? Um, Laura has been featured in publications that include Newsweek, New York Magazine, The Independent, Bottom Line, Cosmopolitan, Marie Claire, Stella, Forbes, and People. She has also appeared on numerous TV networks and programs, including CNN, Fox News, Good Morning America, The View, Extra, and just the plain old everyday Oprah Winfrey show. She's known as the $10,000 a month psychic, but we think her intuition is priceless. Welcome to the show again, Laura. Oh, well, thank you. I'm, I, this is my favorite topic, love. Ours too. <laughs> Who'd have thunk? So how's it going since last time we talked to you, Laura? It was, um, you know, we're trying to sort of like check in with people, I think on like a daily basis because so much changes every day. And as like an intuitive person that helps guide people, like how do you help people with these like really quick ups and downs that's happening with the pandemic and the election? It's like crazy. Well, I think that intuition really uh, helps because a lot of intuition is precognitive. So even though you don't perhaps get a ticker tape, this is what's going to happen in your future. When you use intuition regularly, you really do prepare on a subconscious level. So you, you tap the resources ahead of time that will allow you to respond effectively. And, and, you know, a lot of that is something as simple as mindfulness, because when you have, um, and, and, you know, people say, oh, I'm always in the present moment. Well, if you really take two seconds in your head, you're really not. You spend a lot of time in the past, a lot of time in the future, a lot of time what I call non-locally. So you spend a lot of time kind of in someone else's head or what someone else is doing. Um, and when you're mindful, so when you really try to bring your senses into the present, what you'll notice is that without even thinking about it, you do things that then, then occurrences, especially disturbing ones happen, and it's almost a deja vu. You're just, uh, you're just prepared. And of course, we all get kind of let off our mark. You know, all I have to do is see the news and I have an anxiety attack. Uh, yeah. But, right. But finding your way uh, back to center is, is really helpful. And center is through your senses, because actually in the moment, there's very little you can't handle. It's, it's, it's all of that, you know, it's all of that traveling that we do that not only overwhelms us uh, and makes us anxious or depressed or angry, but it also makes us really unable to respond effectively to either the present or the future. That's so right. Because think about like, if you're in a relationship, for example, and something's, you know, there's maybe a reoccurring problem and it's happened, this one incident that you guys can't get over or whatever keeps getting brought up it's like the 12th time. And now in your mind, you're thinking about all of the other times you've argued about this, what, why it hasn't gotten, why it won't get better in the future. And then you can even go a step further and start having anxiety about like, we have to end this relationship now. What's that going to be? Now I'm going to be depressed and I'm going to, it's like impossible to live in the moment. And I think it's so, I mean, that's so true. And I think that it's really important to realize that if you have a problem, that problem, especially in interpersonal relationships, 
you have had that problem before. I mean, for example, you know, I, I had very dysfunctional parents and I have recreated that dysfunction. You know, my, my mother was a manic depressive and an addict and I then married an addict. And then I thought I'd done something new and I, you know, was with someone who was addicted to power and illusion, which is the same addict personality, but never did a substance, literally didn't drink wine. But I thought, oh, I've done this differently. But no, it was the same thing. And then I actually, my, my uh, cure for that was I had someone else pick all of my dates the next time I was single. And I'm married to a man who doesn't have a single addictive quality. And guess what happened? He's made me grow, which really is hard work. It's much easier dealing with someone else as the problem than it is dealing with yourself as the problem. So oh, I, yeah. I always tell people when, when you are having a difficulty in a relationship, you know, it may, you may be able to solve it. You may not, but the only way you solve it is by your changing, not by changing someone else. And the good part of that is if you let this relationship be a teacher, man, maybe this won't work out. But if you let it be a teacher, what you've learned, that's your doggy bag. That's your treat bag. You take that with you and you leave the problems behind. And it is and not that every once in a while they don't rear themselves up anyway, but but you it really, you know, I think that relationships, especially, you know, uh, partnership, you know, love partnerships are our greatest teachers. And the reason that love partnerships are our greatest teachers is that they involve so much of us. They involve our intellect, our history, our hopes, our future, our libido, our you know, all different parts of the brain and spirit are engaged in a love relationship. And that makes us incredibly vulnerable. But if we really do it as a learning experience, it also makes us incredibly powerful and gives the relationship the best chance to make to, to work out. The number one piece of advice I give people looking for love is whether it's an online interaction, an email exchange, a date, uh, a one night stand, forget asking yourself whether they're having a good time, ask yourself whether you're having a good time, because then you will engage your intuition in such a powerful way to both give pleasure, and of course we all know pleasure is addictive even for the least addictive brain, and to filter out in both an emotional, rational, libidinal, uh, you know, every other way, filter out what you really should be avoiding, but but that your patterning falls into. And, and you know, we, we really underestimate patterning. There's been so, there have been so many studies on the human brain and on the situations we recreate. And our brains actually want to recreate the same pain we've had over and over and over again. And until you reform the brain, it's very hard not to do that. Well, that's like, because it's familiar, right, Laura? And so maybe, and you know, even though it's painful, it's the familiarity that we are attracted to. So maybe like you just mentioned that you had a par a friend pick your dates. So maybe Jen, I don't know. Should, do you recommend that people do this? Should I be picking Jen's dates? I had a, and it's not, I had a very specific situation. I had two very 
disastrous parents and I'm not grounded enough to make the kind of good changes that I actually see my students make quite easily. It's, it's not just what's familiar. It's that we actually create neural pathways that, that a, a reward loop system for this, for, for the same stimulus over and over and over again. And it's so important to change those. And that takes recognizing them and it takes discipline and intuition can really help you know what to do, but nothing replaces uh, discipline. So, I mean, I, by the end of this podcast, I want to give everybody kind of a, a love guide, a love map. We are excited for this map for sure, but you've mentioned so many great points. I want to touch on a couple of them. So bear with me as I get through these questions. But one was, um, you mentioned that you had an addicted parent and then you found yourself with somebody who also had an, an addictive personality in a different way than an actual substance abuse. But what are some things somebody can look for in that instance? Like I had a, a parent with an addiction as well. So I would love to know your input on things that we can be on high alert for that would signal somebody does have an addictive personality in some capacity. So we know maybe to stay away because it will actually become that same pattern we're used to. And we want to avoid that. Well, you know, high alert is not a good way to attract love, but if you integrate, not just in love, because what you're doing in one relationship, you're doing in all your relationships and really in all your interactions. But if you integrate a rule, and the rule is no new damage. So if someone makes you, if, you, if you're feeling a certain way in an interaction, you stop and you say to yourself, is this occasion for new damage? Is this is this disempowering to me? Is this making me feel you know, not as good about myself in a way that's not useful? Um, and, and they're useful ways to not, to not feel good about yourself. For example, I'm very impulsive and my husband's like, whoa, girl, zero to a thousand, no idle speed, not a good format. You know, down, down, wait, wait five minutes before you return that email. You know, uh, swallow before you open your mouth. You know, it, it's, it, it's, sometimes it's helpful. But if your rule is no new damage and you really um, practice what I, what I call embodied mapping, which is you remind yourself, and this you'll have to do a thousand times in a day, to, to be in your body in the present, but you also have a, an intuitive goal. Uh, and what I mean by intuitive goal is you have, you have something you treasure that you're building so that you allow yourself the experience of what, what, what would a loving relationship feel like? I, wa I want a partner. What, what, what would that feel like? And instead of asking yourself in a way that intellect or creativity engages, notice what you notice. So for example, you may notice light and that light may give you a feeling of lightness and you may notice, oh, all of my relationships have been very passionate and heavy. Huh, this is a new feeling. Let me note this. And when I say note, it's really good to write things down because the mind's such a messy place. So so intuition asks you not to be creative and not to be imaginative, not to even use fantasy, because all of those things 
are only based on your history. You can't fantasize about something you don't know. Um, you can't imagine something you don't know. But intuition, if you give it a task, will bring you the different senses and, and they'll be odd at first. They won't make sense. You'll have no place to file them at first, but they'll get, it'll give you the different awarenesses that then you will recognize when you interact with someone. And, and as you do that, you'll also begin to recognize what is not in keeping with your love goal, but what is familiar. And, and you'll find that very organically, you begin to have a whoa stop mechanism. You know, oh, wow, that's a problem I can help. Whoa, stop. Oh, maybe I'm not pretty enough for this person. Whoa, stop. Oh, my English isn't that good. Whoa, stop. And that whoa, stop mechanism will really help you put a little air between yourself and the interaction so that you can, once again, have that love goal, fill that space. And the love goal will begin in a sense to be your spirit guide. The love goal will begin to say, oh, you know, that was your hypersensitivity or, you know, hmm, this is something you need to talk out or you need to note. And that in itself will really help you have an organic way of, 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 of attracting a love relationship. Because the interesting thing that happens when you have an intuitive love goal, and what I mean by that is something as simple as, I, I wanna be in a great marriage. You know, I wanna be, or I wanna be uh, in an adventurous relationship that's healthy. Or, and then you simply allow yourself to notice. And when I say allow yourself to notice, it'll come through your five senses. You may begin to notice people have those kinds of relationships. You may notice characters on your TV shows that have those kinds. You know, all of a sudden, your receptors are open for something new. And that does something very powerful, which is it changes the signals, the telepathy the, that you are sending out to the world around you. And there's so much research on telepathy that is very convincing that what we experience we transmit so so it shifts your telepathy and all of a sudden what you'll notice is people begin to come in even if you're on a dating site all of a sudden people reach out to you that aren't like the people who normally respond to your profile and that you you know fall into an interaction that's not like your normal interaction and you go with it as long as it's not dangerous, uh, because then you're not psychic, you're psychotic, and you have to be careful of that. But, um, but you fall into it. And, and you then, of course, those won't initially be your most compelling relationships, because the, 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 the pathways in your brain will say, oh, no, this doesn't belong in this place. This, does, this doesn't belong in relationship. This belongs in friendship. You know, this person doesn't have any interesting deep-seated conflicts or addictions or doesn't have, you know, you, you don't, can't redeem this person. You, you know, all of those things that used to make you feel valuable, 
you won't be responding to anymore. So you have to give when you when you're if you have not had recently the kind of love relationship you want, you have to give the other person time. I I had a three date rule when I was dating, and listen, I was no spring chicken. I was fifty when I started dating again, and and I had a three date rule. And I'm so glad I did because the first day I called the woman who introduced me to my husband and I said, you know what? Don't encourage him. So not interested. The second day I was like, oh, he'd be a nice girlfriend. And the third day, well, I'd be embarrassed to say what happened, but I'm <laughs> the man. <laughs> well, that makes sense because I think like this is sort of, there's a couple things here. It sounds like you're talking a little bit about like maybe the law of attraction or like the secret as some people might like. No, I'm not because the secret is really kind of, um, you know, it's a very fake it till you make it. Don't look at the obstacles. It, that to me, none of that. And, and neurologically, none of that makes sense. You need to see the obstacles. The obstacles are your friends and the obstacles are the lid to the jar that your solutions live in. And you absolutely um, need to experience and work through what the secret would call the negative places in yourself. They're not negative. They're injured. And every injury has a gift. So, you know, I mean, when I was 50, all of the criticalness I was raised with and dating, I'm like, who would want this? You know, oh, I absolutely. But you know what? I didn't say, oh, someone will want it because my subconscious wouldn't believe that. You can't use affirmations that aren't true. So I said, you know what? Maybe nobody. That makes me really sad. But I'm going to put myself out there. And I felt humiliated, actually, by doing that because I didn't feel worthwhile. And I'd been in a, you know, situations that didn't make me feel worthwhile. But and and I could acknowledge that. And in acknowledging it, I really healed parts of me where I said, oh, this comes from, you know, memories would appear. I'd have dreams. People would come out of the blue with similar experiences. What's interesting is when you allow the difficulty without falling into the, its pit, you know, without living there. I actually really appreciate, and you've said you said this earlier at the top of the show, like basically you're taking responsibility and it is a gift versus being a victim of these dynamics, of your patterns, of your history, of all of these things that get us to this point. You have made it clear that like this is a process, it takes work, and we should use these moments to move forward and really evaluate, you know, where we're at and where we want to go and then use intuition to, you know, take us to the next step. And you have this workshop, which, you know, the main word in workshop is work. We want to know about that. Like, how does it work? And where do you even begin with somebody when they start with you? Well, you know, I think, I think that, um, that what you said about being a victim, when we, when we were younger, when we formed these patterns, we were victims. We didn't have power, but as adults, we're not. We may be injured, but we decide to be victims. And, and even when things happen as adults where we are victimized, unlike when we were children, we have volition about what to do with it. It doesn't make it okay in terms of 
you know, we shouldn't be victimizing each other. And, and you know, a perpetrator uh, is never an okay person and, a, and, a, and an assault of any kind is never okay. But, but fortunately or unfortunately, it's up to us what we, what we do with it. I, I, um, I have noticed in 40 years of teaching that what people think of as the chakras are really, in a sense, ego centers. That, that we've given ego is a bad word, but, but we through the ego, and the ego is anything that starts with I, I want, I love, I believe, I, you know, I, I hunger, I desire, that, that the I is actually the thing that creates. So I am, uh, my new book is really all about how the, how the ego itself, how, how you formed as an individual being actually creates the world around you. And I wanted to start one of the ways that I do a workshop is I teach it, uh, I do a book is I teach it for about 10 years and then I take it apart. And I decided instead of starting where one would think of starting, which is that first ego center, to start with the fourth, which is the heart. Because the heart really, the way we connect, the way that our uh, experience of being valued was formed in our early life and even in utero, really predicts without intervention, the way that we will create love, relationship, wealth, and contentment in our life. So the workshop is really a group healing because when a group gets together, unbelievable power is generated, a group healing of that fourth ego center of, of the, the human heart. And heart is value. You know, we think of it as love, but what is love? Love is value. And we all have some value or we wouldn't be alive. You know, we even feel value in ourselves, but often that value has been patterned in ways that, that don't, uh, don't bring us in our life something that we want. Um, and, and, and the same, the same value really, um, you know, sometimes we express that fourth ego center, that value, that, that sense of value that we grew. Sometimes we express it in wealth, for example. Like I, I had a very easy time making money for the most part in life, um, but a really hard time having relationships where I was valued. And when you look at all of the things that go into value in your life and how you value others, when you look at all of those things, what happens is you reform them in the world, in your world, because we all live in a different world. That's true. I think like everybody is trying to interpret, you know, instructions or, or messages or ways that people guide them in their own way. And a lot of times you run into a little bit of danger with that because everything is up for interpretation and you want to take it into your own, um, you know, world and, and make it yours. But then you come into projection, right? So you get this like maybe advice or instruction from somebody and then sometimes you project it like incorrectly back out into the world like meaning onto somebody else. How is that dangerous in, you know, 
decide, you got to decide, like, is this for me to learn? Or is this for me to like share or give to somebody else? Like, what's the difference between taking something in and then projecting it incorrectly out? In terms of uh, being able to attract the love relationship that you choose now as an adult, and not attract kind of the unconscious injuries that were uh, inflicted on you, whether intentionally or not as a child, part, part of it is really using the adult part of you to heal that past part of you. And, and what does that mean? Uh, here's a really simple psychological exercise um, with an intuitive component, because of course with me, everything has an intuitive component, which is, let's say, for example, I, I have a, a, a fair amount of social anxiety, um, which most kids, I mean, I had to remind my mother to put on clothes when people came over. So I have a lot of social anxiety. And and before I walk into uh, to a party, I will feel that that thing where I'm weird, but nobody else is. Um, and I, I allow an experience for my past to come up, like my friends coming in and my mother not having clothes on or my, my being dressed down by my father in front of other people uh, publicly. You know, I, I allow that. I don't look for it. I allow it to come up. And then I, the adult, talk to that child and say, you know what? This is his problem look at that little girl in the corner. Maybe you want to go up and talk to her. Like I, I literally reform and it takes about 10 seconds once you get used to doing it. I, I, as an adult, I realize that I can do something different with the experience and I could have done something different with that experience. And I can teach that child now because the powerful thing when you use a healing process is to is that you have that when you heal something you have that gift forever you know and and you learn to be unique so now you know in a social situation i notice i hope my husband doesn't hear this he has the same conversations with the same people over and over again i intuitively look for the person or people i want to connect to intuitively and then i follow my attention to those people and i have the most magnificent experiences and create friendships often that last a lifetime from cocktail parties so so it's engaging your adult ability your kind of super you ability and i'd love to explain that what, what that is in a minute to to address a memory that represents for you what you're dealing with, because memories are good. They have lots of elements. You don't have to kind of cognitively get them all, but you can fix them all very easily. And then give intuition a task. And intuition's task is, why am I even at this party? Yeah, maybe for the great hors d'oeuvres, maybe for the free alcohol, but why am I at this party? Oh, I'm at this party to meet this person. Or I'm at this party to tell this person about this new project, or I'm at this party to X, and intuition will then really connect you, send out those feelers to, by the way, other people who will get them, and you'll make that connection. Well, then Laura, that makes, okay, so that's great, because a lot of times people try to, like, motivate themselves prior to the event, which I think is fine, but maybe 
don't put so much pressure on like, oh, I'm making myself go out tonight because maybe I'm going to meet the one. And like, it feels like a job. Maybe just go, you know what? I'm going to go out tonight and see what happens and let that be your motivation. And then when you get to the party or to the event or whatever you're doing, then start to ask the intuitive questions like, after you've mingled with the event or after you've been on the date for a little bit, then you can answer those questions like, why am I on this date now that I've talked to this man or woman? Why am I at this party? Oh, because I was just been here for an hour and I can answer that question. Like instead of going in with the pressure of like, it has to be A, B, or C, you would address your intuition after the fact so that you can then reflect and say, oh, okay, so I was at this party because I just met Jen and I had this amazing connection with her and we want to do a podcast together, something like that. That that certainly is helpful. But also when you, first of all, intuition works better before you go to the party. So I think it's perfectly okay to say, I real, my hope is, my goal is, I want to meet the one. And before you go to the party, in whatever way you can do it, get yourself in a state of pleasure. And it could be just, I have a memory library where I have pleasurable memories that I can go back to that'll give my whole body a sense of pleasure. Or, you know, you can de-stress yourself in many different ways, some of which I won't mention. Um, Or you can, I sometimes use scent because I love scent. Um, but really get yourself in a state of pleasure and then be able to go back to it. So you started this podcast by saying all the stuff that's happening with the election and everything else, you know, how are you getting through it? How are people getting through it? You need a pleasure library to go back to, oh, okay, the world may be going to shit in a, what is the expression? Handbasket? Anyway, but let me, let me just take a pleasure break. And taking pleasure breaks have you send out different telepathy. I dread every time I have to go out of the house, but I am the one who always has the best time at the party. And and I think not putting, you know, once again, going back to all of those new age books that say, oh, you have to only see the good things and think positive and feel good. Well, boy, oh boy, is that the best way to feel awful and be incapacitated. No, no, you dread parties. My husband always laughs. You never want to go. You are the last person to leave, which is true. Know know that, remind yourself, have a party card. Oh, you don't want to go. Nothing's going to make it better. Put your shoes on. Um, Don't forget to charge your phone so you can pretend to escape if you need to and do it anyway. You know, all of the, the, um, you know, all of those prescriptions to be different than you are. No, I mean, it's, it's, you know, sure. When I was 50, would I have loved skin that fit me like a 25 year old? Yeah. But that just wasn't the reality. And it wasn't going to be no matter how much thermage I paid for that just wasn't going to happen, you know? So And I couldn't, you know, I wasn't in a moment in my life where I could make aging okay with me. Now I am because I'm madly and passionately in love, but at 50, and I'm 61, but at 50, I couldn't make that okay. So I let it not be okay. And I went out anyway. But before I went out, I gave myself as much pleasure as I could. And sometimes that was, you know, having a glass of wine. Sometimes that was 
you know, dancing and singing wildly like I used to do when I was a teenager in my living room. Sometimes that was asking someone to go with me so I could feel important, at least to my friend who I was with. You know, they're all different ways. But if you can find that place of pleasure, not only will you attract someone who gives you pleasure and filter out people who don't, but you yourself will be so much happier in the meantime. Oh, and the people around you will be happier too. And, you know, I think that goes to show that this actually really does work. And this is why you are the $10,000 a month intuitive. But like the fact that you said you have social anxiety and can now be the last person standing is really a wonderful thing to learn from. And, and many people, again, do feel jaded when they're going on dates or when they feel like they should go to the party because you never know. And their friend says, maybe there's someone there you'll meet but you feel like you're dragging and you feel heavy. And then everyone around you, of course, feels that in turn. But so with this pleasure library and all these things that you're telling us work for you, is this part of your workshop and the larger roadmap you explained that you have to finding love? It is absolutely part of the workshop because I think having your person is one of the most empowering experiences in life. It's also one of the most challenging experiences, no matter how perfect your person is, being in relationship is challenging, but it is, it is really the love connection, um, you know, empowering each other, but also battling those, you know, battles that we all bring with us with each other is, is, is such an empowering thing. And, and I want to note here, cause you, you, brought up the word like heavy. And one of the things that I see so much in workshops with both women and men is this incredible weight awareness. Um, and, and what you believe is what is to a large degree, what will happen. I, many people have read about the placebo and the nocebo effect. What you think will heal you will, what you think will kill you will also. So it's really important not to pretend new beliefs, but to challenge them. You think you're too heavy to be in love with someone great? Go online. Look how many heavy people have amazing marriages, beautiful children, dress incredibly, you know, probably still not good for their joints, but it doesn't keep them from being in love. Why are you the exception? So it's really important to use intellect as well as intuition and as well as telepathy to challenge your beliefs and to keep challenging them, to call bullshit on yourself. Because what you read about what you need to be is not what you need to be. And what you are is always the best place to start. There's also a really important phrase to, to use with your subconscious and to use consciously, which is, I don't have this yet. I can't do this yet. I'm not this person yet. I can't contain this yet. I can't stop this yet. But human beings are alchemists. You are a work in progress. The most dangerous thing you can do is to give up on your dreams. You simply don't have them yet. And you can't give up if you're in an unhealthy relationship. This happens even to you, Laura, who's like this amazing intuitive you help so many people and even it's a constant challenge for you especially in in 
love. And like you said earlier, someone else could have more problems in finances or career and less in love, but that's how it looked for you. And even for you, it's inspiring because people can listen and go, it's not, you know, it's something I can overcome. If you're, if you're tuning into this podcast, because you want to be focusing on love and relationships and you might be in an unhealthy relationship, how Laura, can you give a couple tips to trust your intuition to navigate it's not trust intuition's a tool document okay. your intuition don't trust anything that doesn't prove itself to you okay trust is something i have not uh, mastered yet and i don't think i want to i like tools that i can see that i can prove work so and i do want to say about all of my relationships they taught me what I needed to learn at the time. Do I wish I'd learned them in like two years instead of 14? Yeah. But, but I can see with retrospect, oh, this is what I was working on. And, and I wasn't working on it alone. I was working on it by bringing in a person who had those things to teach me. Boy, I, I want to do it another way, which is why I wrote a book called Welcome to Your Crisis to not do it the 14-year way, to do it on the two-month plan. But um if you're in, you know, one of the most damaging things someone can tell someone who's in a relationship that they can't leave is you need to leave. Because if they could have left, they would have left. And so it, it's always the healthiest, most powerful place to be to work on yourself. So, for example, when I have students who I see are in awful relationships, I almost ignore the relationship. Oh, yeah, has a drinking problem. Sometimes they heal, sometimes they don't. Oh, I, I have a sense that you paint. Is that true? Huh, I think you should submit your paintings to some shows. Go online, tomorrow's homework. I want you to have a list. And then, oh, how strange. Three months later, they get accepted in a show. They have to show up. They meet somebody all of a sudden that person stirs and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, there's that old thing where you have to be out of a relationship to be in a relationship, but often we need to build something in ourselves before we can leave a damaging relationship. And that's often done through relationship. I mean, I'm not encouraging cheating because often the person you cheat with is just the piece you don't have in your current relationship, but I am encouraging really um, helping yourself, or if it's a friend, helping that person work on their other goals. The relationship has enough focus. Bad relationships get plenty of focus. You don't need to encourage them to focus more by you've got to leave, or you know, you got to heal this person, or if this person doesn't leave their wife or quit their drug, you can't be with them. That, that's not helpful. If they could do it, they would have. What is really helpful is to focus your attention and love on yourself. That is what's helpful. And then alchemy again occurs because you will encounter the people, the experiences, and the parts of yourself that can bring you to a better place. And that is like the best thing ever. And we always go back to that on the show about, you know, ultimately you are the center of your universe. You are the most important thing. And you started at the top of the show saying that as well, that really we can only fix ourselves and, and what, you know, our lives can offer. So if you're saying, you know, work on yourself um, while you're in that relationship, I think that also helps empower people to know they are worthy. 
They are full. They are talented. They are beautiful in their own right and give you the confidence to potentially leave the relationship in time whenever you feel comfortable doing so. But it's really just building yourself back up to be the person you were probably prior to getting into the relationship versus how people tend to leave relationships. And then they're like, oh, wait, now I have to find myself. I've got to get a new hobby. But if you start that while you're in the unhealthy relationship, you're working on your side of the street to remain as healthy as you possibly can, which again, makes you really attractive once you're finally out of the relationship. And as you said, those people will start to notice you and you will gravitate toward or attract those healthier people. And these are all such practical tips. I love that, you know, we used the words like trust yourself and all of that. And while trust is a very hard thing to master, as you pointed out, Laura, it's the practicality of your of your guidance that it is what makes you stand out because a lot of people just want like the facts. They want the truth. They want to like they want the experimental um analysis, like to, to come to fruition, not just like a bunch of hocus pocus, right? So this is the practical guide, the practical way to tap into your intuition in order to find love and, and many other things. You've got a bunch of different books where you tap into the practicality of intuition with success and love and, you know, the crisis, welcome to your crisis and how to rule the world from your couch. All of those are awesome. And you brought up three such good points that I cannot let go of. First of all, you don't want to become the person you were before you came into the relationship, even if it's a horrible one. You may want to feel as good as you felt, but you want to learn from the horror. That's the only thing that validates horror is that you get to become a better, more powerful, more lovable, happier person from it. So you, you don't want to become who you were. You want to, you want to become the next most wonderful iteration of who you're going to be. Um, and oh my goodness, you brought up so many good points that I'm that I'm not belief. Also, I, you know, it's not that I want. I I don't believe in belief. I think belief is is dangerous. I think it's important to have an evidence based life to to be able to learn to evaluate when I do something. This is what occurs. Not I believe I'm going to fall in love. You know, that may make you feel better, but it's not going to do much for you. What, but when I behave in these ways, people respond to me. Let that be evidence-based. When I do this, uh, when I predict this and write it down, it actually happens. But, but it, belief, belief is, is a real kind of jumping off a bridge and thinking God will catch you. That may be, and it's a courageous thing to entertain, but it's not, I think, a very uh, strong way to, to live your life. And you brought up another uh, such good point about, about difficult, uh, oh, you know, you don't have to think you're worthy. You don't have to think you're valuable. And by the way, we may not be. There are different times. I've been a lot of people who I am really glad I am not anymore. I've been a lot of people who weren't actually worthy of the kind of partnership I'm in right now. But being able to accept our shadow side and say, okay, yuck, I'm a little yuck in these areas. I'm a little cowardly in these areas. I kind of use people in these areas and I can make a different choice. So even though I'm not what who I want to be. I may not be worthy now, 
I can be worthy in 10 minutes because I can make a very different choice. Also, for those of you who are not in love, remember a tiny shift and you know, you spent 10 years alone and all of a sudden you stumble and someone helps you up and you have a cup of coffee and you're in love and your whole life changes. That takes about half an hour. You know, we get stuck in our problems. I wish, I wish we could get stuck in our well-being as easily as we get stuck in our problems. You very generously uh, asked where to uh, find books. Um, and uh, on Instagram, what I'm loving right now is my Instagram. Uh, at Instagram at Laura Day Intuit, I have people exchanging readings and exchanging healings and resources, even novices, and they are stunning the intuition. And I want to describe what intuition is just for a very quick moment. Last night I had my family over for dinner. It was a Jewish holiday and my brother-in-law had a friend over and the friend, they were talking about this teacher in third grade and the friend couldn't remember the teacher's name. And I said, West, her name was West. And he looked at me and this is not someone I, you know, had any information about their childhood from, said, yeah, their name was West in that, ooh, you're a little creepy, but how did you do that kind of way? But those kind of things are verification that intuition exists. And it's really important to engage yours because once again, you can only replicate what you know. Intuition can offer an infinite amount of possibilities. So set, you don't have to believe that you'll ever get your goal. Set a goal, write what I call in the circle, reality tales about it. How could that goal happen? And, and notice where, where you get information about what you're writing. Don't do it from memory or imagination. Notice, oh, I'm looking at my air filter. Okay, I go into a store to buy an air filter and the owner of the store, you know, let it, let yourself run wild because it's our rigidity that doesn't allow us to find that person that we want. Or if we're polyamorous, those people that we want. It's our rigidity. And when you allow intuition to take you on a wild ride, but then bring it home to your goal, you open up to so many possibilities. And in reality, the only possibilities that are that are appropriate for the you you are right now. Well, my intuition always takes me on a tale of a Hallmark movie. And somehow I always end up with the cute guy who fixes the thing that lives in the town that we don't get along originally, but then we fall in love because that's how all Hallmark movies go. And I am all for creating tales and love that you said that and love that you have a wealth of knowledge and all of these books everyone can turn to as well as your workshop. And everyone, you heard her here now twice. Please reach out to Laura or follow her on Instagram, get her books so you can have all of these helpful tips as it relates to practical intuition 
and find the love or success that you've always dreamt of and know to be true. And everyone listening, don't forget to tune in next week for an all new episode where we, of course, talk more dating and relationshipy stuff with us, Lauren and Jen, because we are celebrating Lauren's big milestone birthday and what that looks like for her. And also, of course, if you want to join the class of master daters, don't forget to follow us on social media at Complicated Show and listen to It's Complicated wherever you get your podcast. Rate, comment, and tell a friend. And don't forget to follow me on social media at Lauren Leonelli. And you can find me at Jennifer Golden on all the social medias. We'll be back next week. Love you long time. You're listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. 